It's the Chronicles of Aguna. It's the post-match reaction show, and we are live. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition, we're going to be reacting to Arsenal's defeat in the UEFA Europa League semi-final first leg. It finished Villarreal 2, Arsenal 1. This is the immediate reaction show, so I might get a little bit... Um, passionate shall we say it might get a little bit heated um obviously we'll be bringing you the tactical analysis of the game tomorrow as we always do now the day after a game uh where we'll be looking at certain elements and certain factors in a little bit more detail uh, first of all I want to say a massive thank you to everybody who joined me for the live watch along there was loads of you uh who joined me throughout that so thank you uh for your continued support as always where to begin on this one? Where to begin on this one? I, I, I want to start off by saying that we were crap. We were poor. We were terrible. We didn't create chances. Defensively, at times, we were all over the place. Yet somehow, that jammy git, Mikel Arteta, is still in this competition. He, he's still in this competition because... Bukayo Saka um, showed a bit of nous inside the opposition penalty area, went on a little bit of amazing run into Villarreal's penalty area. In my opinion, completely engineered the contact with Trigueros, the Villarreal player, and won Arsenal penalty. And that has got Arsenal and Mikel Arteta out of jail. Because what followed or what preceded that was simply unacceptable unacceptable for so many reasons unacceptable because the players didn't apply themselves unacceptable because we were disorganized because we didn't show the same level of desire that Villarreal showed the same willingness to win the jewels Bukayo Saka even said it himself after the game we didn't win enough jewels however Mikel Arteta needs to take most of the blame tonight and I've defended him a lot this season. And at times I felt that sometimes he's he's set up the team in a way whereby we've created loads of chances and then we've been done by a stupid individual error. And in those instances, I do have sympathy for him because I look at those games and I go, well, as a manager, if you have put your team in a position whereby they have the tools to do what is necessary and then they're unable to execute it, then you have to look at the players and the buck stops with them. But in this case, tonight, Mikel Arteta, in my opinion, got it horribly, horribly wrong. And, and whether you support him or not, there's no getting away from that tonight. There's no getting away from the fact that Mikel Arteta made errors tonight and errors that almost saw us dumped out of the UEFA Europa League 
at the semi-final stage. I, I don't particularly rate Unai Emery, right? When he came to Arsenal, those of you who, who watched or listened to the podcast back then would have known my opinions on Unai Emery. And, and, and as I maintained then, it wasn't even that Unai Emery was really bad. It was that I didn't think he was the right fit. And I don't look at Unai Emery and see him as elite. I don't see him as one of the world's best football managers. I see him in that bracket below. But you could see tonight that he completely outsmarted Mikel Arteta. He picked up on exactly what Arsenal were going to do. He picked up on the weaknesses of the players that Arsenal picked, obviously because he, he has a very good inside knowledge of many of those players, and that's fine. But, you know, the difference was that Mikel Arteta decided to try and be bold and try and be brave by messing around with the team. Unai Emery stuck to what his team are good at, what they knew they could do, played the way that they wanted to play and made a couple of slight tweaks to that in order to deal with Arsenal and in order to expose some of the problems that Arsenal had. For example, you won't see one fourth bombing up the flank the way he did today. And it wasn't just a, a bombing down you know, down the right-hand side. It was a, a coming infield with the ball. That's what one Foy did. He picked the ball up at right back. And we'll talk about it a little bit more on the tactical analysis tomorrow. But he drove infield with a ball and he created the space on the left for, for on the right, sorry, for Chukwese. And they tried to expose us that way. So Unai Emery, the point I'm making, made a few tweaks, but stuck to the main principles of his team and what they do well and, and knew, knew how to deal with this team knew how to deal with Arsenal. And that's not because Unai Emery is great. It's because Mikel Arteta got it horribly bloody wrong. Horribly wrong. I mean, first of all, I, I talked about the lineup earlier on today and I was talking about the the thing about Granit Xhaka, you know, and I got lots of opposition about the, the idea of Granit Xhaka playing that left back. Actually, how many times did Samuel Chukwesi successfully take on Granit Xhaka? How many times? Once. Once when he cut inside uh, in the lead up to the first goal. But even still, Granit Xhaka has held him up enough, long enough, slowed him down enough to get Danny Ceballos in alongside him. And Ceballos should bloody make the challenge. Ceballos should make that tackle and prevent that ball falling to Trigueros. He comes in half-hearted, not aggressive enough, not with enough authority. And from there... The ball falls to Trigueros because Arsenal failed to get it clear. And there you have it. Villarreal take the lead. The defending for the second goal was was horrendous. It was awful. Um, you know, to, to put into context that we've spent the whole week talking about Villarreal. And throughout the week, we talked about Gerard Moreno as Villarreal's biggest threat. Gerard Moreno, 26 goal Gerard Moreno. Standout player in this VRL side. And what do Arsenal do? They decide to allow him to rise on the edge of the six-yard box from a corner, completely unchallenged. He makes a mess of the head that comes off his shoulder and he's fortunate that it ends up uh, going to Raul Albiol, who, by the way, should have been tracked by, by Thomas Partey as well. You know, Thomas Partey's got to anticipate that. He can't allow Raul Albiol to get the wrong side of him the way he does. But for me, 
you know, it, it goes back to the selection. It goes back to the selection of the of the team tonight. First of all, I got loads of criticism for saying I'd have picked Granite Xhaka at left back. Um, and, and actually he did okay. But the problem is you can't have two fullbacks like that. And Callum Chambers offered us nothing tonight. Offered us nothing. And I talked about Cedric playing earlier on when I gave my lineup that I'd like to see because Cedric is a more all-round fullback. He is someone who, when he gets into the final third, can make things happen. And he's also someone who can defend quite competently, actually, when playing on his right side. I thought that the decision to play Chambers and Xhaka at fullback was just... It just didn't sit right with me. And, and you know, it, it unbalances us. And it's bad enough that you're asking our best centre midfielder this season. I don't care what anyone says. Thomas Partey isn't pulling up any trees. Again, he was average tonight, in my opinion. But, you know, you've taken out our best, most consistent centre midfielder. And you've put him in at left back. And then you, you, you're lacking a decent fullback on the other side as well. When actually, you know, Bayer in... And Cedric, in my opinion, would have probably done a better job, especially Cedric at right back. I know that Bayerin's not really looked as though his heart's been in it in the last few weeks. Cedric had a couple of poor performances when being tasked with playing at left back. But in terms of the right back position, I think he's been pretty faultless when he's played there. I don't think anybody can come up with a an example of a game in which Cedric played at right back and, and wasn't good. Or, or wasn't at least competent. So the decision to play the two fullbacks the way he did baffled me. But the biggest mistake for me was was this decision to play with a false nine. I mean, when have we ever played with a false nine? Is a Europa League semi-final away from home against a team you know are capable of beating you? Is that the time to be trying things, testing things? Absolutely fucking not. It really isn't. I, I, I couldn't understand that decision. And it became apparent so early on in the match that it was the wrong decision. Yet he didn't address it. It was as though he didn't want to, you know, acknowledge that he'd made a massive mistake. There was a couple of opportunities in the first half when Arsenal got the ball forward down the right-hand side and put balls into the penalty area. And they just bypassed everyone because without a centre forward, without a focal point, it's just a completely different game. And we're not Manchester City. We don't have Kevin De Bruyne and Riyad Mahrez and Bernardo Silva and Phil Foden, top, top level players to accommodate that system, to be able to play with a false nine. We don't have it. You know, what has he, has he been watching Manchester City over the last few weeks or something and just decided randomly that, He's going to mirror what Pep's doing. We're on different planets. Arsenal and Manchester City are on different planets. Arteta needs to stop pretending he's Pep Guardiola. You see it in the way he dresses. You see it in, in the way he picks his team. You see it in the way he talks post-match. It, it's starting to grind on me a little bit. And the decision to play with a false nine was, was shocking tonight. Actually, I'd have rather seen Eddie and Ketia play up front. Genuinely, I just just for Arsenal to have had a centre forward on the pitch, because one of the things that Unai Emery's sides like to do is they like to play out from the back. We saw that time and time again during his time at Arsenal, and on many occasions we complained about it, didn't we? We were we were saying, "Oh, this is not working. Oh, we're putting ourselves under pressure." 
But Unai Emery was very insistent on it. Unai Emery never wanted to veer away from that. That is the way that Unai Emery's teams play. And we talk about Unai Emery having knowledge of this group and having knowledge of a number of Arsenal players and being able to use that potentially to, you know, to, to, to stifle us, to expose some of our weaknesses. Well, a lot of these players should have had a massive idea and understanding of what Unai Emery likes to do as well. So the decision to, to you know, to not, to not try and expose that, to not put pressure on their centre-backs by having a centre-forward who was going to do doggies, basically, left and right and left and right and left and right, to put them under pressure, baffles me. It, it really baffles me. And Millsmith Rose natural inclination is to drop deep because he's an attacking midfielder. When the team came out, many of us felt that Nicola Pepe was going to play through the middle and that would have been a better option. But even still, he's not a centre forward, is he? And you've got Aubameyang. Okay, look, Aubameyang is coming back from malaria. He only got six minutes at the end, which suggests that he isn't fit. And that's fine. I don't really have an issue with that. But you've got Enketia there. You know, and, you, and you've picked Eddie and Ketia in recent weeks. So why not why not give him a run out up front? You don't, it's not exactly, we're not exactly blessed, blessed with loads of options, are we? In the centre forward position, there was lots of mind games and rumours about Tierney and Lacazette potentially returning, neither of which even made the substitutes bench. So fine, maybe they just about missed out. But the decision to completely bin off the system that you've been playing with and and try this false nine thing with Emil Smith-Rowe in a Europa League semi-final for me was was baffling and I'm actually really, really disappointed. And, you know, as I say, I've, I've defended Mikel Arteta on countless occasions, but it's getting harder and harder to do it, especially when he, he makes decisions like the one, uh, like the ones he did tonight. You know, it, it's really, really strange. And, and you saw... Arsenal improve when Martinelli came on. There was a couple of occasions where we played balls forward and he won headers, won flick-ons, occupied the centre-halves. Villarreal were less able to play the ball out from the back with Martinelli hassling uh, Raul Albiol, um, you know, and Pau Torres at the back. You know, you saw Martinelli when he was asked to to come out on the left-hand side after Aubameyang was introduced, getting back and helping and supporting Granit Xhaka. And the kid, you know, when he first returned from injury, I, I used to sit there and I used to go, I'd love to see more of Martinelli. But, it, it, you know, we've got to be careful with him. You know, we've got to be careful with this guy because he, he is young. He suffered quite a serious injury. And, you know, his recovery or the rest of the season is all about making sure that he doesn't have another major setback. But with each week that passes and you look at how poorly some of the others are performing, the decision to continuously overlook this kid is, is, is starting to get on my nerves. He at centre forward in 20 minutes, was it even 20 minutes? However long it was, did more than what playing with the force or, or brought more to the table than the force nine did throughout the entire game. So... It, is, it was a really, really strange decision from Mikel Arteta, but there's no getting away from the fact, and you guys will all know that I'm, I've, I've been supportive of Mikel Arteta, but there's no getting away from the fact that tonight he got it horribly wrong. The decision to play with those two at fullback was wrong. The decision to play 
with a false nine was wrong. The decision to leave Danny Ceballos on the pitch after he had fouled uh, Danny Parejo at the start of the second period, having already picked up a yellow card in the first half, was again shocking. Danny Ceballos is on a one-man crusade to get us knocked out of the Europa League. I'm convinced of it because every single round he costs us and he costs us badly. I said he was at fault um, for the first goal. I thought he should have made a stronger challenge and he, he almost bottled it. I thought he he could have done better in the lead up to the second goal as well. He gives the ball away too much. He's inconsistent, Danny Sabas. I'm, You know, people who say that we should be trying to sign him in the summer, what are you on? He's just not at that level. He's just not at the level where I want to pay even 15, 20 million pounds for him. I, I, I just don't see it. You know, yeah, there are some nice touches and there's some nice turns and some nice passes and nice spins. And he plays the game with a pretty decent energy most of the time. But he's just got so many errors in him. And, and he's another player who, you know, Mikel Arteta, you know, all right, to be fair to Mikel Arteta, he's, he's had him in and out of the side. And obviously the fact that Granit Xhaka is playing at left back right now means that Sabios is, is a starter. But he's he's cost us so much in this competition so far. And on previous occasions, we've been good enough to get ourselves out of it. But will we be good enough to keep doing that, to keep getting out of it? That's the question. But as I say, having said all that, and, it, it, and he made some really glaring errors today, Mikel Arteta, the players made some glaring errors. We're still in the tie. And so we can save the full-blown meltdown uh, for at least another week. It's on hold for now. Um, but things could have been so much better tonight. I don't particularly rate this VRA outside. And that's what makes it even more disappointing. Because other than the goals that they scored, which were both, by the way, off the back of really poor Arsenal defending. And I said, didn't I? If we could avoid pressing the self-destruct button, we'd go through this tie. But of course we can't. Because Arsenal can't help themselves. Arsenal can't stop themselves making stupid, glaring errors. Time and time again. But we're in the tie. And we're in the tie because we've got an away goal. And the credit to Nicola Pepe because he stepped up and that was a big, big penalty. And he took it confidently, put it down the middle. I was a little bit worried, actually, that Geronimo, Geronimo Rulli, Geronimo Rulli, there we go, I've said it right eventually. When he dived to his right-hand side, um, he left his legs out, like all good goalkeepers do. And um, he nearly got a foot on it and nearly denied Nicolas Pepe. But fortunately, he squeezed it in and Arsenal was still in the tie off the back of that away goal. It's not a good result. It's never a good result when you get beat. What I will say, though, is when you take into consideration just how bad we were, just how wrong Mikel Arteta got it and the fact that we went down to 10 men when we did, You've got to take it and it's not ideal, but the away goal gives us something and the away goal gives us hope and the away goal means that we are very much in this tie. And that's why I keep saying park the meltdown until next week. You know, we drew at home to Slavia Prague in the first leg in the previous round and everybody went mad. I was, you know, urging calm then and I'm going to urge calm now. I'm not saying 
that we should overlook the mistakes made by Mikel Arteta tonight because they were, for me, this is as badly as he's managed an individual game throughout the course of his Arsenal tenure. So, you know, I'm not saying we should excuse that. I'm not saying we should even look beyond that. But what we need to do is, is while we're in the tie, is give the team the benefit of the doubt. Give them the benefit of the doubt that we can still turn this around because Arsenal at their best or even at 75% beat this Real side and beat them quite comfortable. I genuinely believe that. The problem was tonight that Arsenal weren't even at 50%. Arsenal were just simply not at the races for so many reasons and so many individuals failed to turn up on the night. Mikel Arteta failed to make the right decisions as a manager on the night. And that's why we find ourselves in the position we're in. But it's by no means a fatal position. So let's take some positive out of that and move forward. Don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you smash the like button on the video. It really, really, really does help. And if you haven't subscribed to the channel already, please be sure to do so. Just click on the subscribe button. doesn't cost a thing. And we'd love to have you on board. Equally, if you'd like to support the channel, go one step further and become a member receive access to our exclusive content as well as the discord server then click on the link in the description and we'd love to have you also one final quick reminder this podcast is brought to you by earth echo foods limited you can check out their products over at their website which you'll find in the description and you can enter our discount code for 15 percent off if you wish to check them out and wish to place an order Let's go over to the live chat. Let's get some questions in uh, for the last sort of 10, 10, 15 minutes or so. What did you make of the game? What are your thoughts? What are your questions? Let's have them in the chat and we'll come to as many of those as we possibly can between now and the end of the stream. Uh, Big hello to Matt, one of our members. He says, I hear you, Harry. But when was the last time we were at 70 or 80 percent? Yeah, it's, it's worrying, Matt, because we don't seem to hit that level anywhere near frequently enough. You know, there's no getting away from that. Is something that has, has plagued us all season. Our inability to perform consistently is why we're mid-table. Um, you know, we, we've got out of jail in this cup previously because we've turned up on certain occasions. And when we're at our best, we've been far better than some of these sides. And that's seen us get through. You know, Olympiakos, prime example. Um, very good in Greece, not very good at the Emirates Stadium. Benfica, very good in one leg, not the other. Slavia Prague, not very good at the Emirates Stadium, but very good in Prague. And, and, and that's been the issue. And with cup football, if you're lucky and the performances come on the right nights, then you will keep progressing. That's the beauty of European football and the fact that there are two legs. In the league, though, you have to deliver consistently and we haven't de delivered consistently. And that's why we're mid-table. So that's where you can really gauge, in my opinion, how good or not good this Arsenal side are. Cup competitions, anything can happen. But you look at that Premier League table and you see Arsenal languishing in mid-table, down in 10th place. And that gives you an indication of how good or not good this Arsenal side really are. And that's what you should base your judgments upon. But... um yeah, you know, we had players missing tonight and obviously that is an issue and obviously that is a disadvantage, but just wasn't good enough uh, for, for so many reasons. Uh, Taylor Moyes says, if you could have Arteta leave, 
but I have to have the Kroenke stay for another five years or Kroenke leave and Arteta stay, which would you go with? I think really often we we kind of look, the, the manager is obviously important, right? And the tactics are important at this level, but often we overlook the impact that the players have. And we can quite often overlook their flaws and poor performances and pin it all on the manager. And Arteta will only, you know, it don't matter what you think of Mikel Arteta, if he ain't got good quality players at the football club, then his, his job is is much more difficult. And so the Cronkies are the systemic problem at Arsenal. The Cronkies are the the core issue. But Mikel Arteta is not exactly covering himself in glory at the moment either. And it's making it increasingly difficult from week to week to back him. It really, really is. Rancid says, uh, your next manager, if Arteta gets sacked, I would go for Bielsa. I like Marcelo Bielsa, but... You know, is that is that the when I don't know if that's the right appointment, Rancid. I, I I don't know for a number of reasons. First of all, you know, Bielsa's quite short term. Um, I'm actually surprised he's been at Leeds this long. I think that he'll be desperate to get uh, another Premier League season under his belt with the fans at Ellen Road, and then I think you'll see him leave because Bielsa just simply doesn't stay at jobs for a long period of time. I feel like Arsenal when they sacked. Unai Emery had to go with experience. I talked about it at the time. And yes, I've defended Mikel Arteta and I, I've i liked what he's had to say. And I think there are signs of a good coach there. But clearly over the course of the season, and particularly if we don't go on to win the Europa League, which is obviously looking increasingly unlikely, then you've got to ask serious questions about him. And would a more experienced manager have got more out of this group? I think probably yes. I think I'm coming around to that mindset now of that fact. But I also said that at the time. I said it when Mikel was appointed. If you watch the podcast just before he was appointed, I wanted Carlo Ancelotti over Mikel Arteta. I think most people would have. But it wasn't to be. And we don't know the reasons why Arsenal were unable to get these higher profile managers in, if you like. I don't understand why... Arsenal appointed Unai Emery after the great Arsene Wenger. Like, it just felt like such an underwhelming appointment, as did the Arteta one. So obviously something behind the scenes is not right. There's a systemic problem. People don't look at Arsenal and take us seriously anymore. People don't look at the hierarchy, the way the club is run, and feel that they're willing to put their reputation on the line by taking this job. It's, it only seems to be those who the job is bigger than. And the job is bigger than Unai Emery and the job is bigger than Mikel Arteta. So, you know, it's it's a hard one. I don't know who I would go for, for next because it depends on, on who's available at the time. But I'm, I'm coming, you know, I'm, I'm fight, basically I'm finding it increasingly difficult to, to keep defending him, especially after tonight. Tonight was the, the game that really made me go, whoa, like, what are you doing? Big hello to Tizel watching us live on Facebook at the moment. He says, if we go out of this competition next week, does Arteta stay for you? Um, if you had asked me this question last week, I'd have said, yeah. But the fact that he was so responsible for what happened tonight, and if that does lead to us crashing out, then I, I think that's unforgivable. And I think it's... It, Look, going out of a cup competition is not unforgivable because it's a one-off knockout tie, you know, 
It's a knockout tie over two legs in this case, but it's a knockout tie nonetheless, and anything can happen. But when you combine that and the fact that we're 10th in the Premier League, it's difficult to make a case for him to stay, isn't it? It's it's becoming increasingly difficult. I've kind of been banking on Mikel Arteta going at least to the final of this competition to show something, to show a glimmer of hope, to show those fans who are a little bit on the fence or those fans who want him out that actually, you know, he'd, he'd have won the FA Cup last season, gone to a European final this season, and maybe there is something there. But if he continues to mismanage the, the team from a tactical standpoint, in the like the way he did tonight, you can't defend that. It's impossible. It really is impossible. Uh, big hello to Dominic, who's also watching live on Facebook. He says, I believed in the process. I can't lie. Me too. Uh, me too. And I'm not even saying that, that I've completely turned off from it or that I've completely given up hope on Mikel Arteta going on to become a good coach. Because I do think that we'll be looking at Mikel Arteta in five, six years and saying he is one of European football's bright coaches. I really do believe that. I think he's got all the makings of a good coach. But inexperience at the highest level is, is telling. And you can get away with making mistakes as you develop, as you learn, at a club where the expectation is lower. At a club where there isn't that pressure, you can you can make mistakes and get away with them because the bigger picture is still that you've you've improved the team. But at Arsenal, you're not going to get afforded that time. You you don't have that luxury. You know, I, I give you an example, right? Ralph Hasenhutl at Southampton is is a really good example for this, right? And I'm not saying Ralph Hasenhutl's at the same stage in his career as Mikel Arteta. He's not. He's he's much further down the line. He's a lot more experienced. But Ralph Hasenhutl is a manager that loads of people praise, right? They praise him time and time and time again. And I'm always hearing about how good he is and how energetic his team are because they beat Liverpool earlier on in the season. And if you remember, there was a huge reaction to that. Ralph Hasenhutl's side are 15th in the Premier League, but it's Southampton. So nobody bats an eyelid. It's Southampton. So nobody really cares. It's Southampton. So people only pick up on the big results against the big sides and don't really focus on the fact that actually they've been going backwards this season. But at Arsenal, there's too much scrutiny. At Arsenal, you're competing at a completely different level, whereby the fans are expecting you to deliver week in, week out. We might be spoiled. We might be asking too much, but it's what we've been brought up on over the last 20, 25 years. And so for me, you know, it, it's, as I say, it's becoming increasingly difficult to defend him. It really is. Uh, big hello to Dominic. Harry says, hi, Harry, really enjoyed your commentary on the stream. Not the result, though. Fingers crossed we can get to the final. Thank you very much, Dominic. Uh, really appreciate that. And thank you to everybody who joined me on the watch along. I can see loads of you are in the chat box again, uh, which is incredible that you've not got sick of me already this evening. But thank you uh, so much for your um, really kind words. Uh, Connor says, Harry, I think you're overreacting tonight. As I said earlier on in the stream, I still feel like Arsenal have a chance of going through, just like I did after the game against Slavia Prague, after the first leg against Slavia Prague. But the difference here, Connor, is that the game against Slavia Prague saw Arsenal create tons of chances 
and failed to take them. That's on the players. The the goal that we conceded against Slavia Prague, um, you know, was a hammer blow deep into stoppage time. But when you looked at the overall sort of, you know, the way the game unfolded, it was impossible to say that Mikel Arteta's system wasn't fit for purpose because he created chances, his team created chances and defensively they gave away very little. Well, tonight Arsenal gave away two sloppy goals, which I partly blame Arteta for, but ultimately, you know, you look at the the, the, the way they came about. As I said already, Sabah should do better. And as I said, you know, I think that Partey should probably pick up Albio at the far post and equally... Gerard Moreno shouldn't be free to head the ball in the six yard box, considering he's their biggest goal threat as well. So those two things, you know, you can't really look at Mikel and say, well, it's his fault that Pablo Marie got caught out by Gerard Moreno. It's his fault that Thomas Partey didn't track his man at the far post. It's his fault that Danny Sabas didn't make the challenge properly in the lead up to the first goal. But tonight we didn't create chances. Tonight we had no rhythm. Tonight we had, we carried no threat of our own. And that was down to Mikel Arteta because he got it horribly wrong. A false nine is not something you just click your fingers and play. A false nine is a very sophisticated way. To, to play with a false nine is, a, is very sophisticated. It in, involves a lot of clever movement from those around the false nine. It also involves the false nine being able to drop deep, but then also being able to get into those areas, you know, when the when they need to be and equally the false nine doesn't always work you you saw manchester city last night in the first half of, against paris saint-germain and there were two or three opportunities even in the second half where you just felt that if sergio a fit sergio aguero was in the, those positions they'd have scored a goal because the number nine the natural number nine the natural striker the guy who's got the instinct the poacher's instinct would be in certain positions at certain times Certain positions that nobody like that, and, and someone who's not a natural centre forward simply won't be in, and it's as simple as that. So, uh, l- listen, Connor, I, I still think that we have a good chance of progressing through this tie. I said it right at the top of the program, but but you know, it, it, right now, and this is a raw reaction, and this is a post-match reaction podcast. It's difficult to not feel disappointed by it, by the way he managed the game tonight. Big hello to Dramatic12, and thank you so much for your very kind donation, my friend. He says, hey, Harry, love what you're doing, my man. Hopefully, we'll have the strongest team we have next Thursday. Our best 11 is better than this Villarreal side. Yeah, agree. Arsenal, at full strength, are better than Villarreal. And that's what makes this even more disappointing. I know that Arsenal weren't at full strength tonight, but I still feel that he could have made certain decisions differently. He could have done certain things to have made us more competitive, to have made us carry more of a goal threat of our own. That's what really upset me. Uh, big hello to Matt Tomo as well. Thank you for your kind words, mate. Um, hope you're well. And um, and uh, yeah, big shout out to you, man. Big hello to Matt as well. He says, if we blag our way to winning the Europa League, I honestly don't know how I feel. Would we really have earned it? At that point, Matt, i got to be honest, I won't care. I genuinely won't care. Uh, big hello to Dylan. He says, will we ever see Prime or Bamiyang back? He was a m- monumental part in Arsenal lifting the FA Cup last season. We've only really seen it in that winning spell in January. It's It's been a really weird season. 
is hasn't it with regards to Bamiang? Obviously, we had the issues where his mom was unwell and he took some time off. We've had a couple of disciplinary issues, the tattoo thing, and then of course the turning up late for the North London derby, which is completely unacceptable. We've seen him now pick up malaria, and I think a combination of things have, have you know have impacted the Bamiang season. Some of which though have been his own fault, you know. Some of which have been situations of his own making. So I hope that we will see prime Bamiang. I hope that we at least see a better Aubameyang than the one we're seeing now. But will he go back to the heights of the back end of last season? I'm not sure. Um, honestly, I'm not. And, and that's why I've repeatedly said that if the right money was offered for him in the summer, I think I will probably take it. Regardless of the fact he signed up on that contract, all that does is pr protect him as an asset. But if the right money comes across the table, I think I will take it. I really do. Uh, Matthew D'Souza says Villarreal without Foyth and Kapua, how much of a blow is that for them? I don't think it's that big of a blow, um, Matthew. I talked about one Foyth in the lead up to the game as being a bit of a, a weakness and I didn't just make that up. I didn't just pull that out of my backside. I, I got that from speaking uh, to a number of Spanish football experts who told me that he is he has looked uncomfortable at right back quite often this season. Obviously, he become a man possessed against Arsenal. It's just the way it goes, isn't it? Um, Tottenham player as well, which obviously doesn't help. Kapue, again, another one. I'm not sure they'll miss too much. I think Coquelin can step into that midfield and do a pretty similar job, just kind of marshalling in front of that back four. Uh, so I don't think it's a major blow. And for what it's worth, actually, Sabayos being out is probably a good thing for us. Jesus, because as I said earlier on, he's on a one-man crusade to get us eliminated from this competition. He's been trying it for three rounds now. Not succeeded just yet, but, um, you know, we're, we're certainly living dangerously this time around. <sighs> tough night, tough night at the office. Let me know in the chat box where it is you guys are listening from. I'd love to give you guys a shout out uh, on the way out of the stream. Just a quick reminder once more, if you haven't already, please be sure to hit the like button. Let's check in where we are at actually in terms of the likes right now. I haven't looked yet. But we need to get as many as possible. We need to. There's over 300 of you watching live right now across the multiple platforms. Uh, we've only got 74 likes. Let's get that up to 150. Surely uh, we can do that. Um, it seems it feels achievable. So, yeah, smash the like button if you haven't done so already. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. And let me know in the chat where it is you are joining us from. And I'll give you guys a shout out on the way out. Uh, we've got uh, Warwickshire, Southampton, Belgium, uh, Eli M, or is it Ellie M or Eli M? My apologies if I've got it wrong. Uh, Finchley, not that, not too far, not too far at all down the road. How are you doing? Uh, we've got um, Vikshan joining us from India. Uh, Matt, thank you again for your kind words, mate. Must be difficult after a disappointing result. Yeah, it, it bloody... It's demoralizing. And just when you want to go to bed and, and ignore it, um, you know, you can't because you got you got to do what you got to do. Uh, we've got Stefano joining us from Norwich. Ralph is in Canada. Matt's in South London. Dramatics in Houston, Texas uh, while working. Um, Cult of the Red Barrel says uh, to stop saying smash. I'll take it. You don't like it when I say smash the like button. Smash it. Smash the bloody like button. Smash the like button. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we've got Divesh from Ottawa. We've got Mohammed from Minnesota. We've got Quartz from Broxbourne. We've got Ralph from Calgary, Canada. Zvi's in Cape Town, South Africa. 
Uh, we've got California. Uh, we've got Switzerland. We have got Donegal Island, Swindon. Um, we've got Gambia. Wow. All over the world tonight. All over the world. Great to, to see so many of you join us uh, from all different places. And uh, we're reaching right across the globe tonight following a disappointing result. It's finished Villarreal 2, Arsenal 1 this evening in the first leg of the UEFA Europa League semi-final. And I think Mikel Arteta got it wrong. I thought the players were horrendous. I thought it was overall a really, really bad night for the Arsenal. But despite all of that, we live to fight another day and we're still in this tie. I'll be back tomorrow with the tactical analysis of the game. Uh, don't forget to check out my interview at 4pm, which will be dropping on the channel um, with Ali Drew. Uh, boxing presenter and former star of X on the Beach. Ali uh, was kind enough to join me uh, to kick off my new interview series where I'll be talking to people from the world of sports media. Ali was the first guest. Um, she's lovely. Check it out. You'll love it. Um, and that will be premiering tomorrow at 4 p.m. Friday at 4 p.m. for those of you listening on the audio platform. So until uh, then, take care and I'll catch you all very soon. Up the Arsenal. We live to fight another day. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.